All right, everybody ready? <laughs> I always know Isaac's ready. All right, we are going, remember I told you we'd maybe try to do two poems last time? We're not going to make it. Nope, sorry. So we're going to do the first poem tonight at the, uh, uh, the culmination of the book of Joel. So we pick it up. It's a section you should be familiar with. Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32. You remember, Joel lays out for us a pattern of prophecy. We have the concept of the day of the Lord, which is the day of judgment. Prior to the day of judgment, God makes a call for repentance. Uh, people either respond or they don't, and the day of the Lord comes. And then the, the second uh, story we, he lays out for us, the pattern of the call, uh, the punishment of God on its way, the call for repentance, a response, acts worthy of repentance, God's deliverance and salvation. Joel, apart from uh, many of the other minor prophets, has something different in his day of the Lord. And you remember the important thing for us as we look at Joel, he, he's not anchored into a king or a point in history. I think a lot of people make a mistake to come to Joel and try to locate a, a, a um, you know, a, a judgment of locusts somewhere in history. I think Joel is laying out for us the pattern of prophecy. Why the day of the Lord comes is a judgment against sin, the call to repentance, and what happens when people will respond in repentance. But Joel also, as we come to the three culminating poems that kind of nailed down uh, the, the, the focus and the point to the book of Joel, um, we're going to see things that refer directly uh, to Jesus Christ, right? Uh, Joel 2, 28 to 32 was quoted in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and said, this is fulfilled now. So we want to understand, comprehend with all the saints what, what's going on. So we have here in Joel 2, 28 to 32, the promise uh, of deliverance through the Holy Spirit. The pouring out of the Spirit is coming. Let, let's take a look at uh, 28 and 29, and then we'll, we'll take a little history lesson. 28, it says, And it shall come to pass afterward, after all these things, after these examples. How many times have we seen the pattern replayed? How many times have you seen the pattern of the day of the Lord, a mini day of the Lord coming in judgment against the nation of Israel or other nations in opposition to Israel, the call to repentance, either it accepted or, or rejected God's judgment coming? How many times have we run that cycle in the history of men? And then we come to 228 and Joel says, and it will come to pass afterward. Now, I believe Joel's looking uh, now for that there will be a, a last day of the Lord, right? There will be a final day of judgment. The Bible lays out for us. So it shall come to pass afterward. I will pour out my spirit. If you write in your Bible, you should circle this on all flesh. So this is not just to the Jews, not just Israel. It's not just the priests. It's not just the king. It is on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, 
I will pour out my spirit. When we look at this, this, this concept of the spirit of God being poured out, it's only used five times in the Old Testament and three times in the New. So this is it's not as, uh, not, certainly not even used as much as the day of the Lord. But it is in fulfillment, I think, to a problem that was recognized historically in the nation of Israel. Um, you have three primary places that we see this spoken of in the Old Testament. Uh, one is Isaiah, Ezekiel, the third is Joel. So these are the primary areas. Ezekiel promises that the Spirit will be poured out and God will give you a new heart so that you'll be able to obey him. Isaiah, he tells about a day when the Spirit would be poured out in order to form a new community, a new people. And then Joel talks about the Spirit being poured out in power over these people. And they're not in uh, um, contrast with one another, they fit together. They fit together to, to the purpose of God empowering, creating a new people, and God changing their heart. And the scripture's rife in the New Testament talking about this fulfillment. In 1 Samuel 3, 1, it says, speaking of the boy Samuel, remember the boy Samuel would hear the voice of God? Do you remember he'd go to Eli and say, why are you calling me? And Eli would say, what are you talking about? I didn't call you. You guys remember? And then one, one night he did this to Eli, and Eli said, okay, next time you hear the voice, just say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And so Samuel did that, and he becomes prophet of God, the 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 final judge in the beginning of the kings. So we, when we look at this, in the, in the days of Samuel, when Samuel was a boy ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, it says the word of the Lord was rare and there was no frequent vision. In Numbers chapter 11, we see Moses longing for a day when he would not have to lead a bunch of complaining people, Right? You read the chapter in Numbers 11 when you have time. I'm just going to share one verse out of it. But when you read Numbers chapter 11, you may remember the children of Israel are out. They're gathering up manna and they're complaining. Why don't we have meat to eat? And they say some interesting things like, do you remember when we used to eat fish for free? Now, you guys remember the, the catch, right? Why did they eat fish for free? Because they were slaves. But there's no mention of that part. Just remember when we used to eat for free. And I don't, I don't think anybody was charging for manna at the time either. But, you know, when, when you're complaining, you're just complaining. And Moses goes to God and he says, Lord, why do I have this burden of all these people? Have I, I didn't create them. You know, why do I have to worry about them? So the Lord directs him to appoint 70 elders. And they come alongside. And two of those elders, the, God says to Moses, now I'm going to take some of the spirit that's with you and I'm going to give it to these men. And they'll be empowered to help you. And I wish I could remember their names. They rhyme. But I can't remember them. So you guys find them. In Numbers 11, two of the guys 
start to prophesy. And the people complain. Well, who lets these guys prophesy? Why should they get to prophesy over us? And Moses makes an interesting statement. In Numbers eleven twenty nine. Moses uh, said to them, Are you jealous for my sake? I would that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. So all the way back in the beginning, you have Moses making this statement. And I think we see uh, in Joel the God's promised delivery of, of the things that I think Moses is praying over. When we look at the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament... The Holy Spirit is given to whomever God deems to give the Holy Spirit to. And he's given to them for a purpose. And I don't think we think about this. Because when we think about the Holy Spirit today, we have a tendency to be um, very miraculous minded. Which is not always biblically minded. So don't forget about the biblical parts. I'm not saying God doesn't do miracles. We all know that, right? God does miracles, but he also does very ordinary things through the power of the Spirit. I don't often hear about people asking for those ordinary things, but think about them. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people to make them craftsmen. Remember Bezalel? In Exodus 31, 2 and 3, God says, see, I have called Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability, intelligence, knowledge, and all craftsmanship. That was the spirit of God, empowering a man of God to fulfill a purpose of God. We see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament come upon the judges so that the judges would uh, would be able to, to be a good judge. It says in Judges 3.10, the spirit of the Lord was upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to the war. He went out to war and the Lord gave Cushan Rishthaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed, prevailed over him. We see warriors in the Old Testament. Warriors in the Old Testament empowered by the spirit of God to fight Judges 6.34, the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. You remember Gideon, right? And his army, so that he could sound the trumpet. And the Abezrites were called out to follow him. We also see prophets empowered with the Holy Spirit. We see that often in the Old Testament, right? 1 Samuel 19.20, it says, Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing his head over them, the spirit of God fell upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. The spirit of God empowering just ordinary, not even sent for that purpose, but the spirit of God empowering them. We see the spirit of God empowering kings. Psalm 51, 11 uh, David cried out to the Lord, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
One of the saddest things that we read in Scripture is when the Scripture tells us that God took the Holy Spirit from Saul and he did not know it. You see a similar thing with Samson. And and his strength left him, but Samson didn't know it. So it... These are, the, these are some of the ways we see the Holy Spirit moving and working. And then, obviously, we have the, the prophecy of the Holy Spirit empowering Messiah, right? In, in Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me uh, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. So this is how the Holy Spirit is working in the Old Testament. Now, here's something we sometimes struggle with. The Lord says, I'm the Lord, I change. So I know that there are other things and other gifts of the Holy Spirit we look at. But let's not ignore historically how the Spirit empowered men. How the Spirit empowered. And it's interesting when we come to Joel because we're going to see some some exciting things as, as we work through that. Now, when we talk about this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being given, it's also something that speaks of being given to everyone. Now, the New Testament is going to qualify it, and the Holy Spirit will be given to all believers. These are some of the things that, that Jesus talked about. In fact, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why... It is through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal upon us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Scripture would declare that if you don't have the spirit of God in you, you're not saved. You're not his. It's not possible to be saved and not have the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Titus tells us, Titus 3, 5 and 7, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, How did he do it? By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You can't be saved apart from the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the scripture lays out for us. I want you to remember, I told you to, to, to circle this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, that is without distinction for gender. You see the next phrase? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. It's without distinction of gender. It's without distinction of age. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. It doesn't matter how old you are on the spectrum. It does not matter whether you are male or female. It does not matter your stasis, your status 
in society. He says, even on your male and female slaves. Even slaves. So when the Lord pours out his spirit, he's not going to care whether you're king or a slave. He don't care whether you're male or female, young or old. The spirit is given without distinction. It will be poured out. No distinction. It speaks of power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 4 it says, Now while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. <clears throat> and I know sometimes we get confused. This is usually the chronology that I take. Jesus Christ uh, could not, no one was saved in the New Testament sense, completed work of Christ until Jesus rose. In John chapter 20, he came to the disciples and he breathed on them. And he said, receive you the Holy Spirit. And the promise that he made in John 14, you have the Holy Spirit with you and he will be in you, took place. The Holy Spirit was in them. But the Lord said, you wait here until you have been filled with power. So the presence of the Holy Spirit is in every believer. The power of the Holy Spirit is poured out as he wills. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 tell us to earnestly desire the best gifts. But it also tells us the will of the gift is by the Spirit. Jesus Christ is the baptizer and the Holy Spirit is responsible, not you. We like titles. We'd love to take the title prophet. We'd love to take the title Apostle, we'd love to take the title. All of those things are real positions. Do people get sent out of the church today? Well, that's what an apostle is, someone who's sent out. But we want the title. We want the authority of the Apostle Paul. You don't get that no more. That authority came and was completed and done. We can all prophesy. We're going to read about it in Scripture today. But there are no prophets you don't get the authority of the prophet. You can speak the authority of the word of God. Amen? But you don't have the authority of John the Baptist. You're not Ezekiel. You're not Elijah. So we, we, but we can still prophesy, right? People get hung up on, we want authority. Who, who has all authority been given to on heaven and on earth? I don't need any authority. He has it all. He'll empower, right? He will fill. He will empower so that we can do what we want to do. Well, first, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Let's continue. Uh, verse 5, for John baptized with water. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That means be empowered, immersed, overflowing. The Holy Spirit will empower you. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said, it's... It is not for you to know times or seasons the Father is fixed by his authority. But you will receive power, right, when the Holy Spirit has come upon a P. It, it means when the Holy Spirit overflows you. When the Holy Spirit uses you to meet a need 
in the world, whatever that looks like. Now again, don't only focus on healing, raising the dead, um, walking on water, calming the storm, the miraculous. Remember all those things we read? Being a good leadership, having good leadership, like one of the kings of old that uh, were men after God's own heart. That was a gift of the Holy Spirit. Being a craftsman, having knowledge and understanding of how to make things, that was a, a gift of the Holy Spirit. So we want to we wanna be open to those things as well. You will be filled, overflowing. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my martus. That's the word witness. That means you will be able to die for your faith. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Everywhere and anywhere you want to go. So what is this power that Joel talks about? He talks about some specific things. First, he says, your, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, right? Prophesy. To be prompted by God to speak the right word at the right time in the right way does not have to have anything to do with the future. Most of the prophets simply were speaking the word of God to the king, demanding repentance so that the day of the Lord would not come or that God would deliver the people, right? So this was the word of prophecy, to be prompted by God to speak the right word at the right time in the right way. We've all experienced this. Every single one of us have been in a conversation with somebody somewhere and a Bible verse comes to mind or an illustration comes to mind. Or we share something out of our heart with somebody and they say something to the effect of, that's just what I needed to hear. God works supernaturally, naturally in the lives of people submitted and committed to him. That's the empowerment of God's spirit. Does God also do miraculous things? Yes. But I think we can be guilty like the nation of Israel of complaining over manna. Looking over that which God has provided us. Because we want something maybe we esteem to be greater. It's responding with the needed word with boldness. Do we see that in the book of Acts? We do. Acts chapter 4. It's my favorite story in the book of Acts to share. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, Now when they had prayed, they had just been beaten, you remember, and threatened. Don't you teach in the name of Jesus no more. And they know they're filled with the zeal to want to share, to want to teach. And so they prayed that the Lord would fill them with boldness. And it says, And as they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Same concept. The overflowing, the empowering of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They were able to be bold. To say that which you know you ought to say when you don't want to say it. Anybody ever had that? 
I know lots of times I've had the thing I know I ought to say that I don't say. Being empowered by the Holy Spirit with boldness gives us the strength to say it. Right? We want to be able to speak that which the Lord has given us. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They kept all things in common. You had the unity uh, of the early church, even in the things that they had. And it says, and with great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. Most of the time we talk about the Holy Spirit, everybody wants to talk about tongues. Not very many people want to talk about boldness. To proclaim the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ with boldness to those who would hear. So the young men, the, the, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. Second group. Your old men will dream dreams. Again, we want to focus oftentimes on the supernatural. I'm going to encourage us to think maybe a little bit differently about this. Your old men shall dream dreams. That, to me, means that the old men will be filled with hope. Most of the time, when old men get old, they run shy of hope. And they don't look at the future like there's much hope in the future and everything's worse now than it was in the good old days you guys remember he says when the holy spirit comes upon the old men will be i think filled with hope great confidence in what god can do here on earth and great anticipation of what god has in store for us in heaven that's what it is to dream dreams that's what i think now, you could say, no, it means you're going to have dreams like Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. And I think God does give dreams. There are some people that I believe God has gifted with dreams and interpretation of dreams. And that's been cool. But that's, this is not a here and there thing. He says, your old men shall dream dreams. And I think he's talking about old men finding hope for the future anticipation of being with Christ and confidence in what God can do now. So I want you to know, I don't think we're doomed. I want you to know that I don't think that we're doomed to circle the drain and things get worse and worse and worse unless God's people just give up. So the old men will dream dreams and have confidence that God can deliver until the Lord takes me out of this place why should I change that attitude? I would say it is a sinful attitude to be, uh, to have the attitude that says it's just going to keep getting worse until it burns and there's nothing I can do. Because that causes me not to occupy until Christ comes. That causes me to surrender. Your old, me, your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men, they'll see visions. Again, we can focus on the supernatural. They'll, they'll get visions like we see the Old Testament visions coming through the prophets. But maybe, maybe what he's talking about is that the young people will catch a vision for missions. They'll catch a vision for their purpose and the plan of God here and now. 
that the young people will will be kingdom driven seeing beyond the possessions of this world and into a passion to glorify God it has happened there were stories of young men who went out into the mission field and did incredible things to serve the Lord that were filled with a vision for bringing the gospel to the world. But sometimes we're so stuck thinking one way, maybe we don't notice the things that are right in front of us that we can't actually lay hands on. All flesh will receive the Spirit. In the book of Acts, we read in Acts 2, And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Who? Is this just the 12? So there's 120 gathered there, right? 120 are gathered. And it says, And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. How many people did it rest on? The very next phrase, in case you're wondering, says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who was leading it? Were they just randomly speaking whatever they wanted to speak? Who gave them utterance? The Spirit gave them utterance. And they went out and they spoke. And then the people that were watching said, What is this? Right? You remember a story. So we go on in verse 16, Acts 2, 16. Peter speaks, but this is what was uttered by the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your, uh, Your young man will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. I will show you wonders in heaven and signs on the earth below blood, fire, vapor, smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel, this poem of Joel that we're reading is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And I would argue completely, completely fulfilled. Peter would go on in verse 38 to say this. And Peter said to them, well, what, what shall we do? Right? He gave them the whole thing about Jesus, them, them killing Jesus. And, and so... Uh, they asked him, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Acts 10.45, talking about Cornelius, Peter, being sent to a Gentile's house. You guys remember he had the dream? And this Gentile, Peter, thought he needed to preach a full message to him. And 
He didn't get very far in his message before the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit came upon the Gentiles, just as he had on the Jews. And it says in Acts 10, 45, and the believers from among the circumcised, that's Jews, who had come with Peter were amazed. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even upon the Gentiles. And I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. That very thing that Moses is saying, man, wouldn't it be great if the Lord would pour out his spirit on all you guys so you would stop complaining all the time? <laughs> Joel tells us that has occurred. The spirit of God has been poured out. To empower us, to regenerate us, to, to, to usher in salvation. One of the unique things about Joel, we'll see in this very next section. Let's take a look at it in, uh, in verse 30 and 31. And uh, it says, And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood, fire, calms of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. I'm going to tell you a mistake we all make. We all want to look for the sun to be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. And we don't want to understand um, decreation language. He's talking about a radical change in the age. A radical change. Like, for example, if the sun stopped working, would you notice? You get what I'm saying? If the moon turned to blood, would you notice? Yes, we know that we don't miss those things. The Lord says there will be fire and smoke and darkness. These are all terms, metaphors that have constantly been used with the day of the Lord. The same language used when Babylon was going to be taken down as a kingdom. And Babylon was taken down as a kingdom and a new kingdom arose. Did everybody know Babylon had been taken down? Yes, they came to know Babylon was no longer the power. There was a new power working in the world on Pentecost. It is the power of the kingdom of God. In Revelation, it says this. The kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And the language, similar language is used. Is there a day when God's going to come and judge the living and the dead? And there will be the heavens rolling up like a scroll and the earth will be no more and we'll all stand before a great white throne? Absolutely, for sure, going to happen. But there are a lot of other times where God brings judgment upon a nation or in an area where he uses similar language to say there's going to be a radical change in what's going on. And on the day of Pentecost, there was a radical change. The Spirit of God was empowering his church. The kingdom of God was growing. The mustard seed was growing into a tree. The loaves were going to swell. 120 people in one room, in one building, in one insignificant country of the world. And now, how many are there? And now, what kind of effect has there been on the world? Is the work all finished? No. 
But we should not lose sight of the power of God that accomplished that. We should not lose hope in the power of God empowering his people to make a difference today. How many of us have thought, God can't use me now? I'm too old or I'm too fat or I'm too ugly or I don't know, whatever thing. We have all these excuses. We may think God can't use me, but according to the text we're looking at, the power of God's spirit can empower anyone, right? To be effective now in a world that is rejecting Christ. Yeah, wasn't it rejecting him back then? You know, all of Rome wasn't falling down and saying, oh, praise the Lord. In fact, there was a fellow that was lighting Christians on fire and using them as candles. You remember? Yet in that kind of an atmosphere, what happened to the church? Grew. The Spirit of the Lord come upon there will be a day of destruction and darkness and disaster and distress, cosmic upheaval, because I believe the kingdoms of this earth are becoming the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. The Lord would say to, uh, to our Lord, the Father would say to the Son, sit here until I make your enemies your... That don't sound like we got to lose all the time. Does it? No, it doesn't. Isaiah 26, 20. Listen to this. I, I love this, this section of Isaiah. He says, come my people. Enter into your chambers. Shut your door behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. Joel, unlike all the other minor prophets, has this distinction with the day of the Lord. It is a day of judgment and it is a day of salvation. Here in 30 and 31, he talks about the judgment of God, right? And God's going to come and there will be the, the cosmic upheaval. One day there will be the kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth. Do you believe this? Jesus Christ will rule and reign. He will return. The king will come home. What a glorious day. And that's a day of destruction and judgment. But look at Joel 2.32. It starts with this amazing phrase. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, you have a lot of minor prophets and major prophets that talk about the day of the Lord, but they don't talk about the day of salvation. Joel puts them both together. Peter says, this is being fulfilled right here. The spirit is being poured out to empower the church. The day of salvation has come. Paul would say, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. As long as it's today, as long as we have breath in our, in our lungs and the ability to cry out to God and ask him for boldness to proclaim the truth of the gospel to those who want to and those who don't want to hear, to be faithful, uh, to be faithful warriors on the wall, 
declaring what God has given us to declare. What did Joel say? Everyone who, he didn't say, and all the Jews that call on the name of the Lord. Did he? He didn't say all the holy ones, all the guys wearing the right color robe, have the right haircut, especially people who don't have any tattoos or piercings. He didn't say that. What did he say? Everyone who calls. Everyone who calls. Everyone who calls. Everyone who calls. On the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape. The point being the day of judgment comes and you have, like we read in Isaiah 26, this this place, perhaps Mount Zion or around Jerusalem where the saved, the righteous are. And the judgment comes and it passes, but, but everyone's safe there. You remember, you remember Rahab and her whole family when the walls of Jericho are falling down? What was she supposed to tell? And if you want to be saved, what? Come into my house. Isn't that interesting? Come into my house. Just like what Isaiah is talking about. Come into your chambers where the scarlet thread of redemption is. Where salvation rests. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there will be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Mount Zion is a term that God uses uh, of the Mount uh, of Jerusalem that Jerusalem is built on. It's, it's more than just a designated area, though. It's an idea. It's, it's, it includes Jerusalem, right? It's always Jerusalem. It's called Mount Zion. But it's more than that. It's like all the things it should be that it's not. You guys understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> it's like this. The idea. In fact, here's what the scripture says about Mount Zion. It's the joy of the whole earth. Not today. Right? But it's the idea. This is what it's going to be. This is the... The mount of our God. This is the place of the righteous. This is where deliverance happens. It's the place of joy of the whole earth. It's a place God loves. That it will abide forever. It will be defended by God. It's a place from which Messiah will reign. It's a place over which Messiah will do battle. And it is the place of deliverance. Where God will deliver. As I was going through this poem, I was struck by something Daniel said. And it doesn't really apply. I'm going to break all the rules of hermeneutics and use it anyway because it was just resonating in my head. When Daniel was telling Nebuchadnezzar about his dream, he said something to him. He said to Nebuchadnezzar, the dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. When we look at God's prophetic word, you need to know the dream is certain. The interpretation is sure. God will save and God will judge. And the day that Joel was talking about, the empowerment of God's people to be more than what they were, That happened. It came. And it's still here. 
way too soon for God's people to say, we need to put on white robes and go stand on a mountain and wait for our rescue. It is time for God's people to say, God has empowered us for such a time as this. Amen? Why don't you stand with us and pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word. God, your word is living and powerful. Scripture would declare it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide between the thoughts and the intent of the heart. You're able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the Holy Spirit that works in you. Lord, we are often amazed at the miraculous, the things that your word talks about that you have done. And I know, God, you still do that today. But I think sometimes we're so focused on the miraculous that we don't allow God to do the normal things God can do. And we get so focused on the miraculous that we, that we don't trust you in the, in the things, the simple things we need to be a witness for you. To be filled with all boldness. To take the word at just the right time in just the right way. At just the right moment to be able to share that, that thing that needs to be shared in that way, Lord. In such a way, God, that, that people are able to respond. To give up the idea that our world, there's nothing we can do. There's no way to make it better. There's no way to help. And I, we can be so overwhelmed by all the wickedness. But you said, I did not give you a spirit of fear. I've given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind so that you could always be empowered to be whoever I need you to be, whether you are man or woman, young or old, slave or all-powerful. God says, I, will, can, I can use you all. So Lord, I pray that you would just wash out of our minds that attitude that says, I can't. And replace it with an attitude that says, you have given me your spirit so that I can. And help us be the witnesses you need us to be for our time. Until we see your face. And when we do, we can expect to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.